We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of The Long Riders on May 16th, 1980. It was written by Bill Bryden, Stephen Philip Smith, Stacy, and James Keach, directed by Walter Hill, and released by United Artists. In 1971, James and Stacy Keach starred together as the Wright Brothers for a TV movie and first considered playing brothers Jesse and Frank James. James wrote a play, which Stacy financed and produced. It opened at Bucks County Playhouse and then toured schools in New Jersey. It was later adapted into a country musical off-Broadway before James and Stacy decided to adapt it again into a feature film. So the, in the play, they were playing the brothers as well? Were... I am not clear on that part. I okay. just know that they wrote it. But um, I would assume that they did play the parts. James was working with Robert Carradine on an adaptation of the Hatfields and McCoys, and Robert shared the idea with his brother David, who was down to do it. Uh, Keith was the tough sell, but he couldn't rightly refuse if all the other brothers were in. So the Keeches were the Jameses, and the Carradines were the Youngers. Shortly after the Quades were attached as the Miller brothers... At this point, NBC agreed to finance The Long Riders as a six-part miniseries, but then Fred Silverman took over NBC and, as is the custom, canceled everything in development ordered by his predecessors, because that's what you have to do. Uh, James Keach was working with Tim Zinneman on the 79 film The Hurricane, and Zinneman was intrigued enough to bring the pitch to United Artists, who wanted a named director attached before they would greenlight it. Zinneman shared the script with Walter Hill, whose first post-Warriors project had just fallen through, Hill had always wanted to direct a Western and immediately agreed to do it. For a while, Bo and Jeff Bridges were going to play the Ford brothers, but the shifting production schedule ruled them out as a possibility. That mm. would have been pretty cool. That would have been great. I, I like the guests, too, though. Um, they were guest stars. They were guests. Yeah, I, I expected their names to be in the in the beginning of the film when they were going through all the brothers' names in the opening mm -hmm. credits, but... Um, for whatever reason, they didn't make the cut there. Were they not famous enough at the time? Well, I would say the, the only argument I can think of is that they didn't play a big enough part in the story because they're just in a, like a couple scenes here and there and I they guess. don't say much. But like They're Dennis, important characters. Dennis Quaid is kind of only in a couple scenes too. Right, right. Um, but but only, yeah. he'd only been in Gorp. <laughs> That's true. Jeff has said that the script and the brothers gimmick alone weren't enough for him to fight to stay in the cast as far as the production schedule went but that Walter Hill brought something special that the script lacked, and he now believes he missed out on a lot of fun, as the brothers were all friends of his. Timothy Bottoms was interested, but he had asked that him and his brothers Sam and Joseph play the Youngers, which the parts were already reserved for the Carradines. That didn't happen. The Bottomses dropped out. <laughs> Get it? <sighs> the Carradines and Keeches both made concessions with regard to pay to keep the film under budget. Uh, David Carradine hinted at a prequel once in development to take place during the Civil War, and Stacy Keach had once mentioned a possible sequel following the surviving characters through more of their real-life adventures, but neither project ever came to fruition. A third Keach, Kalen, James Keach's son, plays the son of his character in this film. Mm -hmm. John Carradine 
the father of David and Robert and Keith has played Robert Ford twice on film and apparently shot scenes for this that didn't make it into the yeah. final cut. I, I was specifically looking for him yeah. in the film until I started doing my research. I was like, oh, scenes cut. Yeah, that's a bummer. Because it's like, there's no way they wouldn't get their dad to be in this movie. But I wonder, would he have played the dad of those characters? Um, I don't know. I mean, he could play anyone. I mean, they had other Western, other famous Western people in it. Yeah. And other famous Western, like, children. Right. Of, like, famous, like, because oh, well, Harry Carey Jr. is in this. Right. But Harry Carey Sr. was famous for his parts in Westerns. But yeah. So, I mean, I could I could imagine him in any role. Um, I just like to see David Carradine in them. Yep. We start the film with the three sets of brothers, the Jameses, the Youngers, and the Millers riding into town. This is Missouri after the Civil War. The Jameses and Millers are in the bank collecting money, while outside the Youngers are just firing guns in the air to drive people away from the bank. Ed Miller demands that the banker open the safe, even though Jesse prepped them before this robbery that there's nothing in the safe because that's not how they keep the money at this bank. And he puts the gun to the banker's head and says, if you don't open that safe, I'm going to blow your brains out. Now you got a safe in here someplace. Now you tell me where it is or I'm going to put a bullet in your brain pan. Honest, mister. Get out of here. Eventually shots are traded because of Ed stalling and screwing things up. And Jesse takes one in the shoulder. Um, on his way out of the bank, Ed shoots the banker that he was threatening to kill. Um, all the brothers head off to a nearby lake where Jesse starts to beat up Ed for screwing up the whole bank job. I mean, they still got the money, but yeah. he messed everything up well, and almost and, got him killed. Yeah, no, no one was supposed, no one innocent was supposed to right. get killed. They're, 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 they're fine defending themselves, I guess. Like, that's how they justify it. Like, even though they're committing the crime and the other people would be trying to stop them. Right. But, but this banker didn't even have a gun on them. Right, exactly. There's a code. Yeah. So they basically kick Ed out of the gang. He looks to his brother, Clell, played by Randy Quaid, because if we hadn't said it already, uh, Dennis Quaid and Randy Quaid together are playing the Miller brothers. And he looks to Clell, played by Randy, and says, oh, come on, like, aren't you going to stand up for me? And he's like, no, you screwed this up, and I'm, you're my family, but you're an idiot, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm totally cool with kicking you out of this gang. So they abandon him there, basically. But he still gets his portion of the money right. because they got the money, so they just throw it up in the air and make him dig it out of the dirt. They head to uh, the local, like, gambling parlor, I guess. Yeah, I, I couldn't figure out what this place was supposed to be because they keep coming back to, like, some of the same locations, and this was a place that they frequented. Yeah. Um, and I, I just put it as, is it a club? Cause yeah. Because it, it doesn't seem to be a restaurant, although they no, are. It's it's just it's like a, a parlor. It's a bar and a gambling den, and upstairs is, is the whorehouse. Yeah. Um, like every building before 1860. The boys are gambling when the band starts to play a... A union-friendly song. Yeah, Battle Cry of Freedom. Yeah, and Clell gets pretty upset about it, and he goes to the musicians and he says, oh, those are pretty hands, you play that really well. I bet you'd hate it if someone just smashed all the bones in your fingers until you died. And he says, look, somebody requested it. I'm, I'm basically just a sentient juice, bo ju juice box. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a sentient jukebox. He just spits juice all over him. <laughs> Clell's just covered in mots. Um... <laughs> <laughs> No, um, he says, I'm basically just a sentient jukebox. And uh, and he says, okay, well, here's some money. Play I'm a Good Old Rebel. And so they jump right into that. Um, Belle, a local prostitute, approaches Cole, who it seems to be a, a repeat customer of hers. Mm -hmm. He asks if her price is still $15. Are you still asking $15? 
I sure am. She says she'll take 12 and a half because she feels sorry for him, but he only has 11. <laughs> so they, uh, they do a little gambling move here to see if he can still participate for $11, but he loses the hand. Yeah, they're essentially playing a single hand of war. Yeah, <laughs> they cut a deck and whatever card you're revealing is your card for war and, and uh, she beats him. Clell flirts with a different prostitute. That's basically the end of the scene. We cut to some house out in the middle of the woods. Jesse is walking with Z along a road and basically proposes to her in so many words. Yeah. Seems that you proposed to me during the war about seven years ago. That was different. Except, uh, I always knew that you were the one. I just didn't have nothing worked out, that's all. That's a mouthful, Mr. Jesse James. Well, it's a mouthful of truth. Now, what you got to decide is if you want to get on the horse with me. But uh, he's he also makes the point that he doesn't intend to change who he is, and he wants to go on robbing banks and mm-hmm. making his living this way. But she wants a big to-do wedding then. Right. She's like, like we're going to have a big fancy wedding, but I'm marrying you for who you are, so I would like you to continue robbing banks and risking your life constantly. Yes. Jim Younger, played by Keith Carradine, pokes fun at a girl, Beth, who would like to settle down with him, but he's like, oh, that's funny. You're a child, and Mm -hmm. I'm a big bank robber, and that's not going to happen. Even though he clearly wants to? Yeah, they're both very clearly interested in each other, but he's not ready to settle down. Or he is, like, playing the long game, thinking that she'll never... Yeah, she'll just wait. Yeah, she'll wait. Um, so he's just pushing her on a swing here, but he doesn't he doesn't have any wedding intentions. It's his metaphor for their whole relationship. He pushes her away and she comes swinging back. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the next day on a stagecoach, the same Jim is flirting with a married woman and her husband gets a little upset about it. Mm-hmm. But then suddenly Bob and Cole and Jesse and Clell are all in the road robbing the stagecoach. <laughs> and the coach driver's like, damn, you son of a bitch, you're in it with him. <laughs> like he's like so excited about it it's it's like the stagecoach driver is like almost on their team immediately mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's just like excited about it because he knows who these people are yeah uh and, it it reminds me a lot of the movie uh you ever see bandits with bruce willis and blade bob thornton i don't know if i have uh, i know the one you're talking about yeah. they rob a bank at the very beginning of the movie right Right. well they rob banks throughout the movie uh but people like really become like affectionate to them you okay know? start getting excited at the prospect of being robbed by them yeah bob younger notices that the coach driver george is a veteran of the confederacy and compliments him mm-hmm. they ask him like who he served under and he answers the question and then vernon the the angry husband lies that he also served under the same general in yeah. a different place because he's clearly a, was a union soldier if he was ever a soldier mm-hmm. and george like calls him out on it right away like the coach driver's like oh you're a liar you should kill this guy <laughs> It's just like, how awkward was the rest of that ride after they left? <laughs> but George knows who's robbing them, and uh, they, they go, well, you know, he's he's not he doesn't have a gun on us, so he's not a threat, so we're just going to take all his shit. So they strip him clean and leave, and the coach driver's like, I'll be goddamn go to hell. He knows that was Jesse James and his boys, and that's just something to write home about mm. for him. And uh, then he goes back to the stagecoach with the guy who he said, you should kill this guy. And he has to drive that guy the rest of the way <laughs> to where he was going. Cole, the David Carradine character, takes the winnings from this stagecoach robbery back to Belle because now he has enough. She's basically proposing to him. She keeps talking about, like, Are you, would you be interested in settling down? Is this something that we're going to be doing at some point? I just want to be respectable. I just want to find out what it feels like to be respectable. 
For a while, anyway. You'll never be respectable, Bill. You're a whore. You'll always be a whore. Yeah, he's he's very uh he's very Blunt. abrupt with her, yeah. The Jameses, Youngers, and Millers all attend the it's basically a reception for Jesse and Z's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all take a picture together. Uh, Jim goes to talk to Beth again, but learns that she's engaged. And what's worse, she's engaged to Ed Miller. Yeah. Uh, the Dennis Quaid character who's just a dick and an idiot. And, and although we don't really see it, like months are going by. Right. Because like, he says just a few months ago, I was pushing you in a swing. Yeah. yeah. Like, is a, it, oh, I thought this was like a week later at the most. Yeah. Yeah. They do uh, compound the time very quickly. They are approached by the Ford brothers, played by Nicholas and Christopher Guest. Um, Nicholas, right? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas. Oh. They basically say, oh, we heard you're looking for some men. We're interested in joining up. And he's like, well, who told you that? And he's like, your brother, the one you just kicked out. But they basically get shooed away. Like, no, that's not happening right now. We don't have anything on the books yet. Outside, Belle pulls up in a carriage and uh, asks Cole why she wasn't invited to the reception. And he just says, because you're a whore. And he turns around (laughs) and walks back into the party. And she leaves. Yep. Um, She's very, you can tell she's like gritting her teeth, like pissed off about it as she's leaving. The gang robs a train. There, there's no uh, unnecessary victims here. They just—it's very perfunctory. Yeah. Um, although I thought something was going to come back later, uh, when uh, uh, Robert Carradine gets up to the engineer and is like, "You're part of Jesse James's crew." He's like, "No, we, we're the Youngers." But Jesse the, James rides with the Youngers. Yeah, he rides with us, not the other yeah. way around. Um, and I thought, "Ooh, I wonder if this is going to start to." The like, whose name is at the top of the wanted poster? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it never comes up. Yeah. Yeah, everything goes pretty smoothly. Nobody gets hurt. They get all the money that they wanted out of a safe on the train. I think Frank stands up and says, Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. We're just taking a permanent loan from the Rock Island payroll. The Pinkertons start putting up reward signs, $5,000 for any clue on the path to the James Younger gang. The Pinkertons go to visit Mrs. Samuels, which is the mother of Frank, Frank and Jesse James. Yeah, she remarried. Yes. He's obviously looking for the Jameses, and so they go to her house with a warrant because they think they might be hiding out there. She's pretty pissed off because it's just her and her mm-hmm. younger son from the second marriage who is mentally handicapped and she doesn't like that she has to let these detectives into her home. Yeah, yeah and the Pinkertons aren't a government agency. They're an independent agency right. that's been, that the government is allowing to operate. Right. Well, the government contracted them, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah in, this, in this situation, yeah. Um, they search her house and obviously don't find, uh, don't find the James brothers. Jim and a cousin John encounter some pinkertons in the woods who are pretending to just be like here to buy cattle but he's mm-hmm. like you're not in texas like nobody's here to buy cattle we're in the middle, in, of, in the the middle of missouri one of them for some reason pulls out a gun and shoots john yeah which seems real stupid like there's no way out of this situation unless mm-hmm. you thought you could get the draw on both of them mm-hmm. in real life uh, john was a brother he was a younger brother of the younger family <laughs> But he's playing a cousin here. Sorry. Younger brother or younger, younger brother? A younger, younger brother. Okay. Much younger. (laughs) Is that his name? His name is much younger? Yeah. (laughs) But they changed his name to John because that was so fucking confusing. (laughs) Who's on first? (laughs) Um, But Jim obviously kills both of them because Jim's not an idiot and uh, he saw this coming a mile away. Yeah. Before he kills the second guy, he's like, 18 year old, I got to take him back to his family dead. You broke the law. And it's like, you just killed an innocent 18-year-old. Yeah. You're telling me you, I broke the law? Oh, darn. More Pinkertons. 
after this happened, decide to throw a bomb into the James house. Yeah. And well, it wasn't the, supposed to be a bomb. It wasn't supposed to be a bomb, but it sure as hell was. Yeah. And it, this ends up killing their the mentally handicapped brother. Um, I guess the mom survives. But they claim that it was just supposed to be a smoke bomb. Sorry. It's just like, I guess the mom survives. It was just, yeah, she does. When, when it happened, I thought that the whole point was that they like blew up the whole house and killed mm. everybody. But somehow the mom is at the funeral. Because so. you yeah. hear her screaming in that scene. Yeah. I didn't think she made it out until you saw her at the funeral either. Yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, they, they, the leader of the Pinkertons um, sits down with the detectives that were in charge of this mission. And he's like, uh, you mind telling me what the hell happened? Because you sure made a hero out of these James brothers now. And he says, well, we were just trying to smoke them out. And then he says, so you're telling me it wasn't a bomb? Oh, no, it wasn't a bomb. Now you are sure it was not a bomb? Oh, no, it wasn't no bomb. And it's like, no, it was a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> well, you throw something and then it explodes, then that make, that's a bomb by definition. Yeah, the, the commentary that he keeps, th- th- this character, is it, is it Ritzley? Yes. Yeah, you know, he, he keeps having these like little aside conversations with the Pinkertons and also the coroner. And the press. Who I feel like the press character was like meant for Burt Lancaster. <laughs> like, I was like, oh man, this guy's got like the perfect like Burt Lancaster like smile. and Yeah. But yeah, like, I like the coroner's comments of like him trying to warn him. Like, these guys have a lot of friends and you're causing a lot of problems. Yeah. And making them look better. Yeah. When he killed the first two guys, he was like, we're going to have a huge funeral for these guys. The governor's going to be there. And he's like, I'm sure their souls will appreciate it. <laughs> like, that seems like a big waste of energy. And he's like, well, you don't know how many men we have out in these fields. And he's like, you don't know how many relatives these people have in this yeah. area. Um, and for the James brother, or I guess the Samuel James yeah, brother. Well, the, weird, the weirder part to to just combine with the younger younger that the samuel's brother the mentally handicapped one is named samuel so his name is samuel samuels i think um unless i just heard them wrong but yeah uh but at their that funeral all of the uh, funeral goers are also carrying guns because they fully expect to be ambushed yeah and so you know they're they're here to defend jesse and frank yeah you know so even if someone tried to show up they would be opening fire into a crowd of people at a funeral, men yeah, and women. That all have guns. Yeah. And uh, one, only one person didn't bring a gun. Yes. And that's Ed, because he's a dick. As they're leaving the funeral, they call him on it. And they're like, hey, I, I couldn't help but notice you didn't bring a gun. And he says, well, you kicked me out of your gang, and uh, I don't wish any harm on you guys, but it's not it's not my job to protect you. And then Jim basically says, oh, well, you're I think you're a dick. And then Beth says, yeah, I think he's a dick, too. And he's like, come on, Beth, let's go home. And she's like, nah, I'm going to stay here with this guy now. <laughs> and that's basically like she just traded husbands immediately right yep. there because uh, she's never with him again for the rest of the film. I, I think what happened was her plan was to get him the whole time. But when she announced her engagement, he didn't bite. Yeah, like, like he was supposed to fight it. Yeah, uh, and and now she's like, oh, now i got to be with this guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think she, she had definitely had my, buyer's remorse very quickly. <laughs> When she got home with Ed. The gang rides into town at night and kills the Pinkertons who threw the bomb. Who just seem like they're not prepared at all for this confrontation. Like, they hear the horses coming. They, they yeah. know it's the gang. Yeah, they get, the horses, like, like they're really quiet at first. But then the horses start to, like, make noise. Like, horse yeah. noises. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the horses. What are you going to do? You shoot your horse? <laughs> Let's try to be quiet. Do this again tomorrow. Next horse better not make a sound. But they pull up to these guys and they're like, oh, hey, what's up? What's up, uh... James Younger Gang, and he's like, uh, you, you killed our brother? And he's like, oh no, that, that, was, uh, that was some other people. 
they're like no no it wasn't yeah it was you guys and uh he was 15 years old and he never hurt anybody you guys can say hi to him on your way to hell and then they shoot him through the window yeah oh every we should bring up too that every kill is in slow motion almost every shot happens even when it's just hitting a window or a wall Uh, he does go into slow motion a lot by the way i'm just getting a telegram now uh samuel samuels is not the character's name is archie samuels apparently so i was wrong it seems like the families of each of these men are like living together um yeah or they have a house together or i guess i'm assuming it's because they might need to get up and leave right away in the middle of the night like if they show up and say we're getting out of here grab what you got it you know yeah uh but the the wives of the james younger gang are all all seem to be in the same home and mm. the pickertons arrive with a warrant again uh intending to find these men nobody's home obviously because after you kill a high profile person you have to go hide for a while yeah that's the standard procedure and this time they are hiding out at mr corkendale's barn did you guys recognize mr corkendale uh, I did. Well, later. I I recognized him, but I didn't. I asked you who it was, and you wouldn't tell me until right now. It's Ralph from Two All a Good Night. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's so it turns out he's actually a decent actor, and that was just a bad movie. Oh, wow. okay, cool. <laughs> who the thought? Who the fuck? It? <laughs> the, the probably the lowest ranked horror movie on any of our lists is actually a bad movie. Mister Corkendale has offered his barn to them. They're all kind of hanging out. The next morning, he uh, he brings them some breakfast, mm-hmm. and uh, Robert is like, "Oh, what's uh, what's for breakfast?" And he's like, "Crackling grits." And he's like, "It's what I had yesterday." <laughs> like, if we we're gonna get like a rotating menu, like there's a cruise yeah. ship or something. But I like the uh, the following of just like, "Shut up!" No, you shut up. Yeah, you shut up. <laughs> Everyone's like, telling each other to shut up. <laughs> Why don't you be polite, Bob? Don't pick on Bob. Shut up, Jim. Shut up, Frank. <laughs> like, they just keep going. It's just around a bunch of brothers, like brothers, just trying <laughs> to defend their own brothers. It just speaks to the whole like family-centric like their whole plan of how to be a person don't be picking on bob jesse hey shut up jim shut up yourself frank i ain't got nothing but respect for mr mccorkendale and then corkendale steps outside and is immediately shot through the heart yeah and you're to blame you give love a bad name amazingly the pinkertons who have surrounded the shack there's like 12 of them in a line in a field that are firing on the shack from one side of it. Yeah. Like, you had the element of surprise. Why aren't you surrounding this? Surround the place, right? So they all sneak out the back door while they're just punching holes in this shack. I think only Frank is hit. Yeah, and they kill all the... Pigs and... Pigs and, like, just, it's like, aw. Well, that's just because they're hungry, I think. Because the rule is you get to eat whatever you kill. Not including just, Mr. Corkendale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, yeah. So everybody escapes. I think only Frank is hit, but not seriously. Um, but he gets to leave first because he got hit. They have like a whole system. But uh, now we get the Pinkertons talking to Ed in jail, where he got put in jail for like busting up a place. I assume he went and got drunk because Beth left him, mm-hmm. and then got mad and destroyed a bar. And they offer him a reward if he tells on anybody from the James Younger gang. And he's like, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd get out, and then i get shot in the face the next day. Like, yeah. I don't know if you're paying attention, but people who cross that gang don't don't last very long on the outside. And he also says, and maybe he'll change his mind and bust me out because he pays better than you. Yeah. Frank decides that he's going to take the step to settle down with a girl named Annie. Cole goes to Texas because he heard that Belle got married. Um, the, the prostitute who he constantly reminds she's a prostitute. He's very mad that she found someone to be with. Yeah. 
And uh, and then we go on for a fight scene that goes on way too long. Yeah, this way too long. This eats up a lot of the movie. I, I think the point of it was that uh, these two people are actually doing their the stunts of this fight, the choreography, and they mm. wanted to show off that they were doing it themselves. It's David Carradine and James Remar, and uh, they're in this fight for a while. James Remar is playing Sam, who is supposed to be a Native American character. Yeah. He's not Native American at all. And the two of them are... They, they have like a scarf in each of their mouths to connect them, like mm-hmm. in the Beat It video where their hands are tied to each other. But here they have to keep their teeth clenched on either end of this piece of fabric. And uh, the I fight guess, ends... I guess it's so you can't get too far away from your right. opponent. Yeah. But the difference in the Beat It video is that they actually like knot it. So they're tied on... Mm-hmm. like the, You can't even leave until you kill the person. And then you have to drag their corpse around. Because <laughs> that's the rule. The fight ends with... Cole stabbing Sam in the leg, which I think was on purpose, not a fatal blow because he just wanted to say like, Hey, I'm just here to show you that the guy you picked isn't as good as me, but I'm not here to murder anybody. So he wins the fight. And then on his way out of the bar, he tells her that she got what she wanted. You got what you wanted. I don't think she did get what she wanted. No, but I I think know what she wanted though. I think it's like, she wants him. Well, she started this fight and it seemed like, there's an outcome that would have made her happy, but I don't think there is an outcome that would make her happy with this fight. I think what would have made her the happiest would be if he stabbed Sam in the heart and then rushed off and married her. But what she gets is pretty disappointing because basically what he thinks she wanted was to piss him off and to force him to come down here and face off with this guy. And now he's done it. And so she got what she wanted, but that's not really what she wanted. Jesse comes home after having been in hiding for a long time and tells Z that he's ready to round up the gang for a new mission, even though he just got home. Yeah, well, and also his entire demeanor has changed. Yeah. Uh, He he seems much more coarse and calculating, and he's grown a beard. Yeah. (laughs) And he accuses her of cheating, like, instantly. Yeah. He's just like, oh, so how many people have you had here while I've been gone? She's like, well, it's none of your business, and don't forget how you're supposed to talk to me. Mm Mm-hmm. So he rounds up the gang. Jim tells Beth that he is ready to settle down finally. And Frank and Annie decide that they are going to part ways. Clell pitches a bank in Northfield, Minnesota as their next mark. Because he heard through the grapevine that there's a whole mess of money there. Mm -hmm. They don't like the idea of going that far outside of Missouri. Because that's kind of where their whole setup is and where all the easy marks have been. But Jesse kind of pushes for it because he's like, no, I heard there's a lot of money there, so we're going to make it work. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's getting really reckless. I mean, I don't know. If it's, it's just, I don't know what causes character change. Yeah. You know? I mean, we don't really see it. But he also introduces two new characters, Bill Chadwell and Charlie Pitts, yeah. who will be joining along for the mission. Charlie, you know who Charlie Pitts is. Charlie Pitts, <laughs> yeah. The political prisoner <laughs> from MacGyver. Oh, <laughs> whatever we have him in he was in the ninth configuration also with stacy keach yeah he's yeah. in that bar fight tim rosovich he's great so i was looking back up the archie samuel thing just to double check yeah that it was that 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 is his younger brother's name who was killed when the pinkertons attacked the house yeah his mom lost an arm in that attack oh my oh, god really? yeah also uh her name is zerelda which is awesome yeah that is a pretty cool name the men all decide that they're going to hit a whorehouse for their last night before this attack because it seems like we're trying to foreshadow a lot of people dying. Mm-hmm. Like they're just like, all right, this is our last night. Let's have some fun. Uh, Jesse's the only one who doesn't partake in the ladies. 
but everyone else is like waking up next to a woman and then saying all right i'm off to die today cole says that he's going to write a book about his exploits and frank says i expect a free copy and he's like you gotta pay frank you gotta pay the guys show up in northfield and we have to get the same shot of every single character's face over and over and over yeah. again it's like the same distance, same framing. Like I just would have appreciated it more if they'd have been like, "Here's these three brothers, here's these two brothers," like something like that, or "Here's the two extra guys." But we we just have everyone's head dead center in the frame, mm-hmm. cutting from one face to another face over and over. I'm sure there was a reason for it. I just didn't, I didn't get it. Jim says that they ought to case the joint, drive through, figure out like the best path to the bank and what they're going to do and how they're going to get in and out. And Jesse says, "Fuck it," basically. He's like, "No, we're here. We we know there's a bank. Let's go find it." and take the money and leave uh, but when they get inside they run into problems pretty immediately as soon as th- they're pulling their guns out before they even walk in the front door yeah which is insane well they're yeah this is where you're talking about them getting being a little reckless yeah but like, i feel like the fact that they were all saying missouri is safer and everything we know is in missouri let's stay mm-hmm. here and he's like nah let's go to minnesota there's money there like i feel like that was the first step into the recklessness and then here where he's saying no we don't need to practice this or figure out how we're going to do it let's just go in and do it and then some of the other guys even make the point, like, there's no use talking to him. Like, we, we can't convince him to do anything right. But the bank tells him that the safe is time-controlled because the times they are a-changing. And uh, that's indicated also before they step into the bank by a car going down the street. It was <laughs> or, really a car. It yeah. was It's a motorized it internal was, combustion. It was like engine. one of those, well, it wasn't a combustion. I thought it was like a steam engine type vehicle. You know, I'm not actually 100% sure on that, but it's some kind of a vehicle that's not horse-powered. It's a horseless carriage, mm. and uh, they all watch it slowly go past them, and it's just an indicator that, like, oh, no, the time the time of our technology is running out, and uh, we, we might have a problem here, but they get inside, and there's some magical spell on the safe, and it only opens at a certain time of day. The banker basically tells them everyone in the whole town knows that you guys were coming, and they all have guns, and they're ready to kill you. So they have to leave. What are we pulling up here? Oh, sorry. I just I don't I don't remember the the steam engine thing. So I wanted to. Well, get, I'm uh, try- and I'm trying to find the name of what kind of it does look like horseless carriages. It yeah, is. it's it's some kind of it's not on a track, but no. it is the a, front of it looks like a train though. So yeah, I, well, but I mean, it's got real big wheels and it has like a a, a big yeah steam powered like cylinder mm. thing happening on the front of it. It's wood powered, whatever it is. So they had like a supply. Of wood <laughs> oh, is it wood? Yeah, I guess it's probably just um like a like a train then. Uh, yeah, oh, a steam I, yeah, engine. Yeah, I think it's just a, a like you said a horseless carriage. Steam powered horseless carriage. We'll put a picture of it on the Instagram. Yeah, um, and you guys can tell us because we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. But yeah, everyone in town has guns. They're all loaded and they're they're ready to kill some bank robbers. They knew they were coming to this town because I'm assuming the Pinkertons actually spread the word that this safe was full of money because right. they're trying to lure these guys well, out here. Well, and and the bank teller clerk gets a little smug. It's like the whole town knows you're coming. Yeah, it's just like, dude, do you want to stay alive? Yeah, you know we shoot people who are nice to us, right? <laughs> the gang is shot hundreds of times on their way out of town. Yeah, um, but they also have no idea which way they're going because they, they didn't do any. Yeah, they recon. Didn't, yeah, there was no prep work, and they. They loop around past the same groups of people shooting at them multiple times. They're jumping over fences, but just running into more city and getting more and more lost. I wouldn't be surprised if this town actually like moved in fences to block roads behind them after they went into the bank. Well, it looks like they, they put two like hay bale wagons yeah. out in the street to kind of block their path. 
yeah, so they just keep looping around in this town and getting shot by all these different groups of people. Chadwell and Pitts die in the town. We don't see them afterwards. They end up having to crash the horses through a set of windows to get the whole way out of town. Oh my god, mm-hmm. this looked horrifying. Yeah, not just the jumping through the windows with the horses, but the aftermath when one of the guys falls off the horse and just yeah. gets trampled by a horse. Those horses were definitely hurt in the filming of oh, this scene. Oh, definitely. And uh, they, they trained the horses to jump through the windows, but a horse will only jump through a window once. So they train them to jump through a specific shape, and they train them and train them and train them to do that, and then the last time there's a window in it. They did test runs with other horses, and then when they got these horses, these horses had not jumped through a window. This is the first window that each of these horses is jumping through. Ugh. But, uh, it's like it's those videos terrifying. you see of like dogs running up to a sliding door that's open. But then oh, they, yeah. they won't go through it because they've run into it too many times. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so they, they just don't trust that it's open. <laughs> so everybody's pretty messed up after this fight, except for the James brothers, basically. They don't get hit too bad. Yeah. Uh, Frank takes a hit, but he's not, he doesn't seem like he's yeah. dying. Like he just got one in the arm. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the, the one who looks the worst, who <laughs> I fully expected to yeah, die, is, is Bob. Yeah. And, yeah. He, and he's, he's okay. <laughs> yeah. Bob Younger has been shot like. 11 times or something like that they say and he's still talking mm-hmm. um keith has been shot through the cheeks like yeah he took a shot in the chest and he took a shot through his face that went in one cheek and blasted out the other and tore a bunch of his face off on the other side so he's just not talking but he's alive and he's, he actually seems less hurt than the other people he's just unable to talk now and clell is dead like, <laughs> yeah. clell took one bullet but it went right through the gut yeah and uh, and so he dies here in the woods outside of town. Cole and Jim say they're going to stay with Bob Younger because he looks real messed up. And the James brothers say, we can't just sit here with him. We have to go or you're going to get arrested. And, and they, they leave. <laughs> yeah. And the Youngers do get arrested here. So in custody, the Pinkerton and the, the press man are both trying to get information out of them. Uh, but the Youngers refuse to answer any questions, obviously, yeah. as, as is the way. Yeah. And, and is true. To yep. what happened yeah. to them. Even though this was like basically the splitting of these two families in terms of their, their criminal exploits, this was... Uh... Well, not entirely, but we'll get into it. Oh, really? Frank yeah. kept with them? Well, we'll, we'll get into it. Okay. Um, the, the Ford brothers meet with the Pinkertons and say, hey, we can, we can deliver Jesse to you or we can kill him for you. And he's like, well, you know, I heard that Jesse kind of doesn't give a shit about you guys and I don't believe you. And he says, well, Jesse already reached out to us about his next job. And he wants us to come meet with him. So he's like, all right. So we cut to Jesse's home. He's there and he has his kid there, mm-hmm. played by his actual son. And his wife is there, but also some of the younger wives are there because yeah. all the youngers are in jail. And the Ford brothers come in and they talk to him for a little bit. And he says, It's crooked. What'd you say? I said it's not straight. And they get paranoid because they think he, he's caught on that what they're doing is like a trap. Mm-hmm. But he's talking about a picture frame on the wall. And so when he goes to straighten it, they shoot him in the back, basically. So, so this is the, the a very famous scene. Yes. Um, obviously, if you've seen the assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford film. Yes. Robert Ford went on to play his himself on stage. Right. Because they didn't have films. The only way to recreate an historical event for the populace was to actually act it out. Yeah. And so they got the guy that did it to act it out. Yeah. And uh, they had, they constantly kept doing this thing about the picture being crooked. 
And so that 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 is like a well documented thing. I was I was I was waiting for it to happen. I yeah. was like, okay, and he's doing it now. He's going to talk about something being crooked up on the wall. The last thing he says before he kills Jesse is, "I shot Jesse James," because he's just he wants to be a legend. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because the title of another film is, becomes a spoiler for this film. Yeah, because the whole time, as soon as they introduce Robert Ford, I'm like, oh, that's the guy that does it. I'm mm-hmm. just curious how they're going to cross paths again. Frank turns himself in to the Pinkertons in exchange for the opportunity to bury his brother. He, we see him riding on the train with the coffin, and people are coming up to the tracks to pay their respects as they move through town. And that's the end of the film. So some of the things that happened later in their lives. Yeah. Uh, Frank James uh, eventually ended up in uh, Wild West shows. Oh, okay. Like he went on to do just because, you know, just like Setting Bull and, and Buffalo Bill. like they Right. Like, Oakley. Yeah, they they all just join these shows because they're famous, and right. not just they're just famous for being famous. Like you know, he's a famous criminal, and like, it seemed like they had that kind of a retirement in mind the whole time. Like when Cole said, "Like I'm going to write a book about my yeah. adventures." Well, when Cole got out of prison, he joined up with Frank's West show. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay, so, so they got back together. Um, but didn't Frank go to jail, or did he just not go well, to jail? They for all that go. Long? They all go to jail, but they all get out. I mean, that's the thing is like I can't believe any of them ever got out, considering how many people they've killed and robbed. Yeah, they all got out. It's, this is just... well, you have to make the murder stick, and you have to. I mean, all you can really one hundred percent dead to rights accuse them of is the bank robbery. Is the one that you caught them doing because yeah. Yeah. nobody's gonna snitch on them. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they all eventually one one of the younger brothers dies in prison from uh, tuberculosis, I believe. Yeah. Uh, one of them committed suicide after he got out. Oh, okay. He just couldn't take the life. But, uh, yeah, Cole joins up with uh, Frank's Wild West show, and, and Frank goes on. Like, it, it's it's so strange, like, that, that these people have lives where nowadays, like, you stay in jail. And, you know, it's... Sometimes. Well, yeah. Generally. There's a famous cannibal in Japan who, like, killed and ate a woman, and now he's a celebrity for having killed and eaten a woman. Like, he served his time, and he got out, and now he's just a celebrity who, like... They're like, oh, he's the guy that killed and ate the woman. Like OJ here, but he actually served time for the crime that he did, mm. which is crazy. I feel like that wouldn't, I see why that sequel fell apart. Yeah. Because it's, it's not as, as cinematic to be like, oh, and then they all pretended to shoot people mm-hmm. for decades after. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, uh, I need to look it up. Because uh, I think the character of the character of Frank James is in the True Grit. Oh, okay. The Coen Brothers True Grit movie. You know, have you ever seen um what is the name of the movie that is basically a sequel to Tombstone? That's it's called like Sunshine something, but it takes place in the early 1900s, like the dawn of the film industry, and it's Kurt Russell working on westerns. I don't know, but that sounds it's, great. It's not Kurt Russell, but it's Wyatt Earp. I would watch that movie. I wish they would do a sequel right now with Kurt Russell. I think it has the word Sunshine in the title. Just look up uh Wyatt Earp movie Sunshine. Well, there's a movie called Wyatt Earp. <laughs> That's true with Kevin Cosner. Yeah. So uh, about my true grit, uh, when when uh, the character of Maddie Ross comes to look for uh, Rooster Cogburn, she's yeah. going to the Cole James West show. Oh, okay. To look for him, he he had joined up with them, uh, and so when she's talking to people, she's talking to Cole Younger and J- and and Frank James. Oh, okay. That's awesome. So like this, this just, it's again, Cole too. It, yeah. That's so great. just to establish more like that, these characters went on. So the movie I was thinking of is just called Sunset. Um, 
But uh, having retired from a life of gunfights and peacekeeping, the great Wyatt Earp, played by James Garner, has landed a job as advisor to a Western movie about himself. On the set of the silent picture, he gets to know Tom Mix, played by Bruce Willis, an actor who specializes in Westerns, who has been hired to portray Earp. Not long after making each other's acquaintances, they find out that Earp's ex-girlfriend's son is missing and the man responsible may be studio chief Alfie Alperin, Malcolm McDowell. Hmm. That sounds like an interesting movie. Yeah. But I would love for them to make a sequel to Tombstone with Kurt Russell now that's about stuff that he did way beyond Tombstone because people forget that Wyatt Earp lived a really long time after that movie took place. Um, And obviously Walter Hill, we've mentioned, uh, directed The Warriors, but he's directed a bunch of good stuff. Let me pull up. He's also a producer on a lot of things like Aliens and Alien. Um, He also uh, wrote and directed the, the 48 Hours movies which have a lot of cast in common with this. And Brewster's Millions. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. He directed that? Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, Bruce Willis and Westerns, he also did Last Man Standing, uh, which is another great one that makes a lot of use of uh, the slow motion Western stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. Brewster's Millions. That's awesome. This was pretty early in his career. He didn't start until 75, so, but he's great. Uh, Bill Bryden, uh, one of the writers, was also the director of a film called Aria, which I feel like I recognize this cover box, but I don't know the film. Well, I think it's also important to note that the writers, along with the Keeches, they the all their writing credits are with the ampersand. And so they all wrote it together. They all wrote it together, which is surprising to have so many, uh, you know, let's say too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. But I, I feel that this movie comes together pretty well. Too many cooks. Also, Walter Hill has an uncredited uh, screenwriting credit on this film. I assume that's just little notes that he put in mm-hmm. over the course of uh, shooting it. Obviously, uh, moving through the cast, we can start with uh, David Carradine, who played Cole Younger. Mm-hmm. Um, probably right now best known for Bill and Kill Bill. Yeah. Or Frankenstein and Death Race 2000, which is one of my favorite credits <laughs> of his. But he was also uh, Kwai Chan Kane in Kung Fu, which is probably what he was most famous for before Kill mm-hmm. Bill. He also played William Sharp in a game called Saints Row, where we have a credit okay. together, um, because I was a video game tester on that game. Nice. Uh, Keith Carradine played Jim Younger. He was Wild Bill Hickok on Deadwood, obviously, and uh, he played Agent Lundy, uh, the boyfriend of Dexter's sister, for a season of Dexter. Yeah. He's by far the most attractive of the Carradines. Of maybe all of these brothers. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, like, and, and I was trying to figure out which one was Keith Carradine, because I'm yeah. not overly familiar with his work. And as soon as he appeared on this film, I was like, that's Keith Carradine. Yeah, yeah, I could the tell. cute one. Well, <laughs> that's that's the benefit of hiring brothers to play brothers, is that yeah. they there's a definite family yeah, resemblance. But where's Robert Carradine come into this? It's like, he looks nothing that's like true. them. That's true. Yeah. Well, he's he's also significantly younger than them. Like, he, it feels like there is an age gap there. Because he's one of the younger brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Carradine plays Bob Younger. He was Louis Skulnick in Revenge of the Nerds and yeah. Revenge of the Nerds 2. And also Mr. McGuire on Lizzie McGuire. Uh, James Keach here was the, uh, he was obviously Jesse James in this movie. He's the warden in Walk the Line. He plays the motorcycle cop in Vacation. Oh, nice. That pulls them over <laughs> for the dog. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh my God. I, yeah. I totally didn't recognize him. Uh, apparently he's the longtime husband of Jane Seymour. They're separated now, but Aww. they were married for a long time. Uh, Stacy Keach was Frank James here. I always think of him as Titus's dad on the yeah. show Titus, but uh, he's probably better known to my dad as from the Mike Hammer show. Um, he was also Ed Pegram in Nebraska and Colonel Kane in uh, the Ninth Configuration. 
Dennis Quaid as Ed Miller. People know him from Gorp. Randy Quaid was Clell Miller. <laughs> we can, oh, we're going to go back. No, we're we're going to go back <laughs> to no, Dennis Quaid. No, that's fine. We've covered Dennis Quaid I for know, Gorp. But, but maybe this is their first time listening in, and they don't know about If Dennis you didn't Quaid. listen to Gorp, you don't deserve the Long Riders. <laughs> no. That if it was an inner space. There we go. We okay, can move on. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Randy Quaid was Clell Miller. Um, he was in Foxes. And I'm starting to wonder if Randy isn't like the John Belushi to Dennis's Jim Belushi. Okay. Because um, I think Randy's the better actor. <laughs> I think in terms of like the stuff that he's done, I think I like Randy more and I believe Randy more. Yeah. But Dennis puts gets put in a lot of like family friendly stuff. Whereas I think Randy gets the weird stuff. And I think both and Randy. also is the weirder guy. Yeah. And both of them were destroyed by drugs. But Randy survived it somehow. Harry Carey Jr. was George Arthur. Um, he was driving the stagecoach. He was very excited about getting robbed by the James yeah, Brothers. Yeah. He, he plays Zeke, the old timer in the saloon in Back to the Future 3. Yeah. Because, um, again, he's a comes from a Western performing family. Right. So, uh, you know, Harry Carey Jr.'s got to be it. you got to throw him in there. Yeah. It, um, if Quentin Tarantino was making this movie, he would have thrown Harry Carey oh, Jr. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because that's all he cares about is, like, the, the pedigree of the people that he's casting. Marshall Fred White in Tombstone was also Harry Carey Jr. He also plays Mr. Anderson in Gremlins. He's Father Canavan in Exorcist 3. He's in a movie called Cyborg 2087. Have you ever heard of this? <laughs> I have not. His character's name is JC, which sounds like a rapper. But the plot of the movie sounds suspiciously like Terminator, or maybe even more specifically Terminator 2. So cyborg 2087 here's the plot ready yeah a cyborg is sent back in time from the future to prevent a scientist from creating technology which caused his dystopian timeline and is pursued by other cyborgs what year is this movie i don't know 2078 no no it won't take place until 2087 but it came out before that but it's called cyborg i can't find it on his list 1966 yeah but isn't that pretty similar to uh, oh, Terminator? Yeah, yeah, totally similar to Terminator. I thought that was interesting, and now I want to watch it right now. So let's stop down real quick. Uh, Harry Carey Jr., also not related to Harry Carey, the sportscaster, <laughs> played popularly by uh, Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live. I'm confused. It's a simple question, Doctor. Would you eat the moon if it were made of ribs? Christopher Guest played Charlie Ford. Um, he's probably best known as a director. Um, he directed Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind. Apparently, he directed Almost Heroes. I didn't realize that oh, until I was going through his IMDb pages. I love that movie and stopped there <laughs> because it sounded like you were going to be critical of it. Um, he also stars in Spinal Tap. He's a member of the band. And he plays a sheriff character in Princess Bride, right? A sheriff character. What, who is he? He's the, the main guy okay. that no, I, don't I like know his my, I like my answer better. <laughs> He's a sheriff character. He's the main guy that pursues them. Yeah. Isn't he a sheriff or no? Well, yeah, I guess he's, he's like a, a Nottingham sheriff. type. Okay. He also plays SpongeBob's cousin Stanley Squarepants. <laughs> Count Count Rogan? Rugen? Count, yeah, Rugen. There okay. you go. There you I was go. Like, I, I was had to go through the script in my head. I was like, Manny Pantica was like, after I kill Count Rugen. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't leave much time for Dilly Dally. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Guest, his brother, played Bob Ford. Uh, I don't really recognize this guy from a lot of stuff. But uh, he was Todd Chester in Christmas Vacation. Like, uh, why is the carpet wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. Um, and uh, he's also the voice of the robot on the MacGyver reboot. 
<laughs> you know the robot that, oh, God. that he built? Yeah. He does the voice of that robot. What the heck? Pamela Reed was Belle Star. She plays Trudy Cooper in The Right Stuff. She uh, was Phoebe in Kindergarten Cop, which yeah. is what I always think of. Yeah, she's the she's the the original choice to be the teacher. Yeah, that he that Arnold is filling in for because she was injured, like she broke her leg or something. No, she got like pneumonia or something. Oh, like okay, that. She but she's like, in like a wheelchair for part of it, right? I think I think afterwards because they get she gets in a fight with the the mother. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, the, she can't go because she's just physically sick. Oh, okay. She also plays Leslie Nope's mom on Parks and Rec. <laughs> Oh, so that's fun. James Remar was Sam Starr. He's Dexter's dad. He's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. He was uh, the neighbor's abusive boyfriend in Cruising, which we covered before. Shelby Leverington played Annie Ralston, which was Frank's love interest very briefly. She played Marilyn Gardner in Cloak and Dagger. Buck West, Mr. Corkendale. He's credited as Buck West in uh, To All a Good Night. But yeah, his yeah. name is West Buchanan, and he's Crazy Ralph from To All a Good Night. Edward Bunker played Chadwell, uh, one of the two guys that they hired for the Northfield job. Um, he plays Captain Holmes in Tango and Cash. He's Mr. Blue in Reservoir Dogs. And he's an actual convicted robber who did time at Folsom with Danny Trejo. But he actually robbed a bank. And uh, he has a very interesting life story because apparently as a child he used to swim at Hearst Castle when Hearst was still alive. <laughs> Chris Mulkey played Vernon Biggs. That was the the angry husband character and he played hank jennings on twin peaks tim rosovich we already covered he was the political prisoner on macgyver ninth configuration and he plays haverman in cloak and dagger so we have two cloak and dagger people uh lynn shea played kate i don't remember which one was kate well it's not there's a lot of characters and i don't remember a kate specifically but she's pretty low down on the list so yeah. i'm wondering but she actually has a lot of credits that i know yeah but lynn shea was Mrs. Nugaborg in Dumb and Dumber, the woman who wants all the dogs <laughs> at the very beginning. Uh, she's also, uh, she plays a character named Margie in Dumb and Dumberer, the prequel. Okay. She's also the landlady in Kingpin with Randy Quaid. <laughs> and uh, she plays Mary's neighbor in Something About Mary, the one that's always like extremely tan. She is also the linchpin of the Insidious series. She plays Elise Rayner, hmm. um, the woman who's been in all of the Insidious films. I have not seen a single one, and I don't plan to. There you go. The first one's actually decent. I liked it. But you don't like those kind of movies, so I do don't not. watch it. Uh, until we get there, and then you have to. Uh, Peter Jason played one of the Pinkertons. He was Gilbert in They Live. He played Master Boyd in Mortal Kombat. Con Stapleton on Deadwood. He was Captain Skip Gleason on Mike Hammer with uh, Stacy Keach. He played Mr. Janice in Congo, which is the guy that owns the company, right? Isn't Mr. Janice the one that that owns the company that has the satellite? No, that, that was uh, Joe Don Baker. Oh, okay. Who's Mr. Janice? Must be just somebody in the area. Well, sorry, which character is this? One of the Pinkertons, the guy with a beard that kind of a rounder face that gets shot through the window. Mm-hmm. But uh, he also played Bert in the Baltimore Bullet. Okay. And then we have Duke Stroud was the other Pinkerton that gets shot through the window. He is the brother of Don Stroud, who they could have played siblings as Pinkertons if we wanted more siblings in this movie. Yeah, I, I don't know why they didn't go go for broke. With <laughs> Just the... keep doing it. Yeah. But Don Stroud uh, is in a couple of MacGyver episodes. He's the one that bought me pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So Duke Stroud's brother bought me pants. William Trailer. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> he was a friend of my mom's, and okay. he bought he bought pants uh, for the baby shower. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> I just met him and he bought me pants. Uh, William Trailer was another one of the Pinkertons, and he plays General Catbird in Buckaroo Banzai. And go. he's also Mr. Underhill in Fletch. <laughs> the guy who Fletch keeps putting stuff on his tab at the at the country club that he snuck into. But yeah, solid cast. I honestly, I think that I have the opposite thoughts on this film as Jeff Bridges, where I think the gimmick of the brothers is does make it really interesting, and I like the writing, but I don't actually care for the direction that much. I, I think the use of the slow motion was weird, especially in some scenes where it looked like they just did it on an empty set. Like when uh, Belle shoots the chandelier down, yeah, you just see it fall to the floor, but it doesn't appear to be anyone in the room, and it's weirdly lit. Yeah. And I feel like that's a product of not knowing how to light slow motion because the way the camera captures light. Yeah, you have to turn uh, up the lights yeah. super high. Um, and so everything seems really dark. Uh, and so there were a couple of times where I was like, yeah, this this, this, this wasn't. Maybe they were running multiple well. cameras, and so they were trying to get slow-mo and regular speed at the same time, so they couldn't change the lighting between uh, them. I don't know. But you shouldn't do that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I had any. The, the wipes were weird. They had Star Wars wipes. Yeah. Did they that really? Was, that was a little weird. I didn't remember that. <laughs> I was like, was that a Star Wars wipe? <laughs> yeah. Only Star Wars is allowed to do that, and no one's even sure why. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I'll also accept it in Willow, as it is a Lucasfilm. Yeah. But Willow is probably the same universe as. <laughs> but yeah, and I also, I said it before, but I don't care for the, like, I get it. Like, I know these people are related. We don't keep having to cut from one face to another face to another face to another face with the same framing and everything the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Just give me wider shots, you know, arrange the the characters more interestingly in frame than than just centering on everybody. That's enough of me ripping on Walter Hill's direction. <laughs> it, it's I enjoyed the film, um, and I do enjoy the story of these characters. And I appreciate that he tried to keep as close to the reality of their lives as he did. Yeah. Because I think even he got very frustrated with how how loose people play with this story. And so he's like, no, it's... It is. It was about family for them, and I want to portray that. And it makes it interesting to actually have family members playing family members in the movie. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jess? Up or down on this one? Uh, I gave this one an up. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, a, it's an up for me too. Uh, I had never, I had never seen it. Although, like I said, my I don't know if actually I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast. My dad was very excited that I was watching. This yeah. is the first time of any of the movies that I've mentioned to him of us watching. He's like, well, "I know that movie. I own it." Yeah. <laughs> so, Other than you said he was really excited about Caligula when we brought that. No, in. Yeah. no, no, not really. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, he talked it up a lot, and I felt that it lived up to his hype. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I'm going to give this one an up too. It's not like my favorite western, but um, I think it the gimmick is enough to keep me interested the whole way through it. And, uh, and the fact that it's a true story and they stayed as, as true to the, the actual events as they could makes it interesting to me. I wonder if I would have cared as much about it if I didn't know the gimmick about the brothers or who they were like having, if you, if you go straight into this movie, not knowing knowing who any of these people are, would you like it as much? And I, I don't know if you would. I think that I might not because if I didn't know all these people, I would have a much harder time telling them apart. I agree with that. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Because I know who they are, and I still had a hard time every now and then telling them apart. Honestly, if these all weren't like actors who still get work today, yeah, then I feel like I would have had a hard time telling them apart. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Carradine's not getting any work today, but the rest of them. I felt bad in that scene where he was in the hospital. Mm. He's like, 
What do you and your brothers think about a life sentence? I mean, you're lucky they don't allow hanging in this state. <laughs> I was like, that line does not age well. well that's a bummer. No, I think it's a, I think it's a plus. Um, where does this go in your letterbox, Richard? Um, I actually am going to put this right above Tom Horn, a very similarly themed okay. clo- closing of the West kind of tale. But uh, I did enjoy this better than Tom Horn. Which is so that puts it between Little Miss Marker and above Tom Horn. Okay. Jess? Uh, I actually have this pretty high on my list. Um, uh, mostly because there's been a lot of terrible movies this year. Uh, but this is right now, it's, let's see, one, two, three, four. It's seventh on my list. Oh, wow. It's right under The Changeling and right above Mad Max. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I think for me, this goes right above Coal Miner's Daughter and just below Last Married Couple for me. Um, yeah. I think that's about everything for this one uh, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Letterboxd where as I've said before you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year we can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show and if you take the time to leave us a review we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode if you're feeling especially generous you can also support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast thank you so much for listening And I hope you'll join us next time when we will be discussing something called Empire Strikes Back, which IMDb says is about after the rebels are brutally overpowered by the Empire on the ice planet Hoth, Luke Skywalker begins Jedi training with Yoda while his friends are pursued by Darth Vader and a bounty hunter named Boba Fett all over the galaxy. So that sounds like sci-fi probably. It's sci-fi, yeah. I've never heard of it. All these names sound weirdly familiar though. Anyway. Uh, we leave you now with the trailer for what is it called? Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. Creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. The continuing story of our band of heroes, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Chewbacca. And introducing Lando Calrissian. It's an epic of romance. Of heroes and villains. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. Odyssey against oppression. A big new sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Coming to your galaxy next summer.